to Thriving with a Chronic Illness. I am your host, Smiling Sonia, and I share ideas, tools, and strategies I've learned living with and recovering from recurrent viral meningitis. I've undergone mindset shifts that have helped me move from just living to striving with a chronic illness. I know what it's like to worry about taking extended sick leave or losing a job through chronic illness. I share how you can become financially stable with the peace of mind that you have enough money saved to prepare for those emergencies and cover future financial goals. Good morning. Smiling Sonia here. It's Monday, the 1st of December 2020. We've arrived at the last month of 2020. And uh, this is a year that many people will remember. Definitely. I'm going to be talking today about... Uh, when, when, how young do you start developing money habits? Uh, how adults influence money behaviour, I guess, uh, the children growing up. So, and that came out of a discussion I had yesterday with a colleague and friend who... So they started saving, I think from the age of 13, and never stopped. Always had a buffer. Started from when they had their paper round. And we were talking about the, one, of, one of the findings from the Runnymede Trust 2020 report on the impact of covid on black, Asian and minority ethnic people in the UK. But before, before we jump into the subject, firstly, it's really cold. It is so cold this morning. As I started this recording, I was fumbling to put my glove on my right hand. And that, that hand is in my pocket. And my fingers feel really cold. I was thinking, despite the cold though, it's slightly uncomfortable. I'm glad to be out. I was out last night. Well, yes, well, it wasn't even night. It was, was, it was about 3.30. But the darkness seemed to come down very quickly. <laughs> I'll tell you something. <laughs> It was getting really dark, okay, and as I I finished recording yesterday's episode, I took my sunglasses off, (laughs) and I thought, oh, it's still bright, (laughs) so obviously my sunglasses, I mean, it was getting darker, but it was obviously much darker because I had my sunglasses on, just thought I'd share that with you. Today, also, I, I've started, 
I've joined in with some colleagues and we're is it walking around the world walking around the moon so we're raising money oh and now I can't remember who we're raising money for but we're raising money it's a charity thing and you know some of us have signed up to I don't know if it's walk or well it's, well, it's something around the moon my memory is terrible gosh well anyway I'm walking around the moon you know not actually walking around the moon but um walking and we're going to try and get around the moon around the moon so we're all it's a sort of a joint effort so I've started this morning and ah yes this is what I wanted to share with you this morning as well so yesterday I shared how I had saved £500 using the chip app, so it's an automated savings app. There's a number of different ones around. And I still had two other savings goals that money will be put towards now. And I hadn't thought of a third one. Well, guess what? <laughs> I think I've, the, I've thought of a third one. So let's get back to me walking around the moon so as as a way of tracking that you've done your steps or your miles or kilometers you need the Strava we're using the Strava app okay (laughs) I actually put into the the app store Strada (laughs) no Sonia not Strada Strava anyway So I found the Strava app and my phone told me, I think you you may know what I'm going to say, my phone told me that the iOS, whatever it is, uh, 13, it needs needs 13 and my phone only goes up to 12.4 and that's it. I can't can't have higher than 12.4 so I cannot use the Strava app on the phone that I'm using at the moment <laughs> to record. Our, phone, our mobile phones has become everything other than a phone. And so whilst I can use it as a phone, and I can use it tell, to tell the time, and I can use it as a calendar diary, which I don't, uh, <laughs> some of the other things <laughs> that I rely on or I would like to rely on I cannot, so it's not the first one there's a couple of other apps that I've tried to download and it won't allow me so when this happened this morning I thought uh, and I'd got got to this point with my previous phone, quite happy with it but it stopped downloading the iOS, whatever. And so there were apps I just could not use. And so I'm in that situation again, which means, which means I am going to have to upgrade my phone at some point. I don't want to upgrade it today because for the most part, it does what I need it to do. But as time goes on, as more and more apps require the higher 
whatever. Morning. Good morning. I will need to upgrade. So, so that's why this morning I thought, ah, okay, I can create a third goal. Well, it's either I replace one of the goals I have, and I've got Canada trip and car. So the Canada trip, uh, the goal is 600. I'm at about 462. With the car, my goal is 2000. I'm at 600 and something. Okay, so I thought, right, okay, what I do need to do is find out how much it will cost for a new phone. So I went online and it looks like around £750 for, to buy a phone outright. Now, this particular phone I've got, well, not this particular phone because I'm, <laughs> I've had to um, use the insurance a couple of times. I lost one and then one stopped working. But this, this actual, this, anyway, this phone, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I got on a contract. The phone I had before, I paid outright and just had a SIM only. So I am on a SIM only deal with this now because I've got it on a two year contract. I'm past the contract. And so I just, I like the flexibility of just having the SIM. So I need to make a decision as to whether do I want to lock into a two year contract again or do I just want to buy a phone outright? So that's, 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 that's the decision I need to make. In any case, uh, well, yeah, so here's the thing. If I, if I go with a contract, of course, I don't need uh, the money up front, do I? Ah, because all I'll do is... Uh, it will just be the monthly payments that will change. Hmm. So you got me thinking there now. <laughs> right, so anyway. <laughs> so I have a decision to make in any case. And I suppose what I'll do is by having the money, I'll, I'll have a, I will have options. If I don't have the cash say and I need to upgrade then the only option really is to uh, go on contract and the cash I'll make the decision as to buy whether I buy a new phone or whether I buy a refurbished phone so there's different options there so something for me to think about but I think one of the things is do I create a third goal and call it phone or do I replace one of the goals I already have the car or the Canada trip now I don't really want to change the car because I think you know that's a, that's gonna happen the Canada trip now at the moment <laughs> I really can't see myself traveling to Canada in the, ne in the next 12 months. So, either I change that goal to phone, 
which means I'm not that far off uh, coming up with a sum to pay, pay for a phone outright. Or I create a third goal and call that Canada. <laughs> so start afresh with Canada, but still have, and then the current Canada changed up to phone. Hopefully I haven't complicated it too much for you. I do complication. I do complex. That's how my mind goes sometimes. Yeah, but you get the gist. So <laughs> that's a conversation I was having with myself this morning. Right. <laughs> Let's. Uh, something else I just wanted to mention in the intro that's now almost 12 minutes into this recording, this episode. I I find myself in the morning as I'm going to hit the record button on my phone. And I just use my phone to record. Nothing fancy. Although I would like a mic. Anyway. I, I sort of think, oh, should I be saying the date? I've said this before. And then I remind myself that this is still part of my recovery journal. This podcast is about me, my lifestyle, I guess, you know, thriving with a chronic illness. The focus is more on finances, but it's, it's other stuff as well, because, you know, everything affects everything, doesn't it? And it's important that I say the date because it's telling you where I am on this, this journey, my chronic illness journey, my viral meningitis journey, my Mollerae's meningitis journey, just sharing the different names. And I think what's significant is this, that if this is being listened to in years to come, and I'm thinking that my family, you know, this could be a legacy that I leave for my family to find out a bit about me. And if you're listening to this and you're fam- family and I'm no, no longer around, this is me. <laughs> this is me. And the world that we live in now, we can do this. We can do this kind of thing and share. And my thing is, I love learning and I love sharing what I've learned so that the things that have helped me, that I can help others and, you know, where does that start? It starts with family. Wow. That's a great kind of segue, isn't it? Into, you can hear the cars. I'm going to move more this way. Segue into what I'm going to be talking about, which is about influencing children and when do they start uh, learning money habits. So I was really surprised. I... I looked it up, I went online, Google as usual, and I was surprised when it said there was a, there was a, some research, a study in 2013, and they found that the money habits were set by the age of seven. And I'm going to repeat that. I mean, you could rewind, but I'll repeat. 
money habits are set by the time a child is seven years old. Wow. So, I've got a 38-year-old daughter, a 21-year-old son. (laughs) I have grandchildren, and uh, the youngest is two. So he still has a chance. Now, even so, of course, just because there's a study that says our money habits are set by the age of seven doesn't mean that we can't change those. Because if that was the case, I would still be making really poor money decisions. And I'm the grand old age of 57. Okay, so I don't think it's ever too late at all. And what prompted this particular subject for me was I was in a text exchange with a friend. Uh, He's in his 30s, very savvy young man. Uh, He, and if you're listening to this, uh, uh, his parents come from Trinidad. Don't know whether he was born in Trinidad or here. Anyhow, really bright young man. He has, he he's also has a podcast with, with some friends. Fantastic podcast with his friends, and they are sharing and raising awareness uh, for UK, especially the the black community. And all I can say is that podcast, and I'm I'm going to mention the name one step away from one step away from okay so uh excellent excellent podcast and they've just uh, now that reminds me that's what i can do today because uh it's certainly the latest and i want to listen to it uh looks like it's going to be a good one as well they are all good ones so anyway we were having a conversation and uh it was a, a recording that i created Uh, my response to the Sainsbury's (laughs) Sainsbury's Christmas ad I don't even I can't remember whether I've already mentioned it here but Sainsbury's Christmas ad one of them they've got three so they've got a group of three Christmas ads and one of the ads features a black family an all black family (laughs) and uh and there has been this backlash from the UK public, um, the white UK public, I should say. I'm making an assumption there, however, uh, about this advert and the use of a black family. So I, I wrote and recorded a response, and he was asking if they could use it. And so that's the conversation started from there. And what I wanted to convey was that one of that I'd read I'd read a report, the Runnymede Trust report. Already mentioned it, I think. <laughs> Runnymede Trust report. And one of the findings 
and this relates to socioeconomic. In terms of the impact of COVID on black and black Asian and minority ethnic, I always get that people of colour. Uh, what's the right term? <laughs> what's the most comfortable term? I don't know. Anyway, and in, in one of the sections under finance, and obviously that appealed to me because that's where my head's at, you know, finance, having an emergency fund. So, oh, going to take the long way around this morning. Yay. Yes, the Running Me Trust. And in, in that, the finance section said, and I may not... I must look at the figures again. However, whatever, they were saying that, talking about people having to rely on their savings, and that, let's say black people, I'm just going to say black people for simplicity, black people were more likely to have to dip into their savings, rely on their savings, uh, to pay for bills and essential expenses. And it went on to say that for every pound, and we're talking about averages, aren't we? For every pound that a white person saved, uh, a black person saved only 20 pence. I think there was another group where it was 40 pence. And there was another group where it was only 10 pence. So for every one pound a white person saved um, in the black, Asian and minority ethnic community, that range from 40 to 10 pence. And when I saw that, I thought, oh my gosh. You know, I, I, I'm advocating the importance of having an emergency fund, which is separate to savings. Okay? And that's the key thing, an emergency fund that is separate to savings. And what difference might that make to a family in uh, sort of a current a pandemic like we're in now? Where if you had an emergency fund, that's what you dipped into. And, uh, and obviously, it's talking about, I guess, I'm making an assumption here as well, that if you've not got the money, you're more likely to go out and try and get work, but maybe work in places where you're more exposed to um, getting the infection. Okay? You know, these things just, just, just link with each other, don't they? So that, that's something intriguing, and I was sharing that with my friend yesterday. And, uh, and he, he I shared my survey with him. He went through the survey, and he said he saw himself as actually being quite different to, to people because he has savings. He has an emergency fund, and he started saving as a child, at the around, around the age of 13, with this paper round. And, you know, he's the one that's helped other people out. And I thought, wow. Wow. And that's why I started thinking about, okay, when do our savings habits, you know, when our habits start? And so I suppose the first place to look, really, is myself. <laughs> so... When it came to money uh, at a young age, what did I learn about money as a child from my parents? Well, what I learnt was that money was scarce. 
that there wasn't enough money. So that's what I was brought up with. So by the age of seven, I would have known that there was not enough money. I learned, though, and probably that's a positive habit, that I had to wait for things. Yeah, so if I, if I wanted a toy or whatever, I had to wait for it. At Christmas, um, we each got a toy and a shared toy. So I had two, bro- two younger brothers and we each got one toy and then we had a game that we could all play. And we loved it. We didn't know anything different. It's only later on, <laughs> you know, I learned some different stuff. But anyway... So, oh, I'm going to have to have a quick pause there, because I'm a bit sniffy, so excuse me. Okay, I'm back. I'm trying to fumble to put my gloves back on. There we go. Oh, I so love the woods. So love the woods. Yeah, so, I did learn uh, about um, holding back. When I was 12, and I may have talked about this before, and I'm not sure why I, I, I might even been, I might have been younger. I think I might have been younger than 12, but for some reason that age is in my head. I, I remember we went out shopping and there was this a blanket, and it had a, is it a leopard? I think it's a leopard, isn't it? Tiger stripes, leopard spots. Should know I've had the blanket since I was that age, but anyway, um, there was this black this blanket in this store that I loved. I just loved, um, I said to my mum that I wanted it, and she said, "Yeah, you can have it, but you you have to pay for it yourself." And I thought, okay, so because we went shopping every week, it's one of those shops that you could pay down. So you can pay down, and then once you've paid paid it all up, uh, you could take the item with you. And I'm um, obviously used to get some pocket money. I mean, I don't know how much pocket money I got. I don't know whether I got it every week. But I, every Saturday when we went shopping, and Deptford Market <laughs> went shopping, I would go into this store and pay some money towards <laughs> this blanket. It seemed like it took years. I'm sure it didn't. But obviously, I think it took months. And I I did this consistently. Um, I'm looking to see where I want to go. I'm going to go around here. Consistently. And, oh my gosh, it was such... It was such a proud moment. It was such a proud moment when I paid gave my last set of coins. I think they were coins, not notes. And I don't know whether it was a lady or a man. Gave me this blanket all wrapped up in, you know, this sort of thick plastic, see-through plastic. And I carried it home. Oh, my gosh. Now, I'm 57. Would you believe I still have that blanket? The first ever purchase that I made with my own money that I had to save up for, I still have. It's, the, it's actually it's in such good nick 
honestly, it's in such good nick. Uh, I've been taking it out picnicking. Uh, some of the stitching's gone, and I want. To, that's what I'm going to do this Christmas. I'm going to repair. It's just loose stitching, and um, oh. So clearly, my parents did teach me something about um, saving to buy something. Now, I did go on <laughs> to actually get into debt, etc. However, however, where am I now? And maybe what's happened is I have naturally defaulted. You know, I'm a single person now. I've naturally defaulted back to who I am when it comes to money. So, when I think about my children, my daughter, my daughter doesn't use credit cards. My, do- my daughter doesn't have debt. My daughter has savings. And so I'm, I have obviously done something there whereby she does have a positive relationship with, with money. She does worry about money, I think, probably as I have done. So hopefully uh, she won't go on to make... I don't think she will make the mistakes that I've made, quite frankly. She's got... She's, she's very sound. She's... Oh, she's... Um, beautiful and wonderful and I, I'm learning from her all the time a wonderful young woman so my son now my son is 21 and, uh, he's still a student and uh, <laughs> well look so I'm laughing because as a student you know he you know spending but look here's a young man he's 21 uh, he doesn't have any debt, as far as I know. <laughs> no, he hasn't got any debt. Uh, he's, he hasn't got a credit card, because I told him not to get one. <laughs> but he hasn't got a credit, credit card. Uh, he buys... He, he's a student that lives at home. He doesn't rely on me to give him money to pay for his food on a week-to-week basis, etc. So, over the last couple of years (laughs) from my coaching, uh, we've worked it that it didn't start that way because in in the first six months, I think, I I did start off by uh, buying buying food for him. So, out of my own sort of my own budget I I budged so I did at that point budgeted that he would have a certain amount to cover his food uh, that I would pay for his food but he had a budget however uh, that wasn't working for me because <laughs> it wasn't working for me it worked for him it wasn't working for me because uh, what I found myself doing was when I went into the fridge and he bought some food and it was going off for me, that was a waste. But I thought, well, he doesn't, he doesn't really care because he's not bought it. <laughs> you know, it's my money, not his money. So if it goes off, he doesn't feel the pain. I feel the pain. And so I decided, I thought, look, I thought about how much he's got. He's not going out 
and doing certain things, I thought, actually, you can pay for your food. I do, when I say that, so he does pay for his own food now each week. And I've seen him grow and develop and understand the importance of what you, how you do spend your money, what foods to get so that it lasts you for the time that you want. Now, he doesn't have to buy eggs. He doesn't have to buy condiments. Uh, when I'm cooking stuff myself, sometimes I say, oh, you can have that. I cook some meals and we have together. And that's from my... So, you know, he wouldn't go... He wouldn't starve, let's say. However, we go shopping together. He has his own trolley. He pays with his own money. And, and so I guess... I guess you would say that I am teaching him, influencing him on good money habits. What I am trying to... <laughs> working on, not trying, working on at the moment is help him, helping him to understand the importance to have a, of having a buffer, of having an emergency fund. And he's, he's failed. <laughs> well, I'm not going to... No, he's not failed. So I'll take that back. I'll take that back. I, so he's struggled. It's been a challenge <clears throat> for him to um, have... to sustain an emergency fund and he's not got a lot of money to play with to be honest <clears throat> however uh what will happen I'm, I'm sure is when he does go out into the world of work and when he, he does have a decent income he will i would have instilled in him the importance of having an emergency fund and my thing is it doesn't matter how small it is it really doesn't matter how small it is you just have something and then you just keep it there and you don't touch it. So that's the key thing. And he's working at the moment <laughs> on Saturday. So the, how's your emergency fund? Have you still got it? Oh, yeah, but I've not been... Oh, I keep forgetting to put some money in it. Well, you get a cheque <laughs> once a term. Just pull out the amount that you want in your emergency fund and just stick it in there. <laughs> so um, you've got to have fun with these things, haven't you? really and and just need to have, keep having the conversation so and I guess maybe what I'm saying is so there's this there's this research this study that says it's set by the you know your money habits are set by the age of seven but it's not a lost cause <laughs> you're not a lost cause if, you know, you learn certain things by the time you're seven and, and you know, got into bad habits, we can change that any time. Uh, there was another study, and I, I can't remember the names of these studies, so I apologise, talking about changing habits, and it takes 66 days. Uh, <laughs> Because people have this thing, don't they, that it takes, I can't remember now, is it 21 days? I'm not sure. I think it takes much longer. <clears throat> and I think you, habits, we don't lose bad habits. They're just there in the background, waiting, waiting to jump out at you. <laughs> but what we can do, of course, is develop 
new habits and work on those on a day-to-day basis. And <clears throat> excuse me, and what happens is that those what we term as bad habits they 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 move more and more back into the background and then your new positive good habits are more of a focus but when when things happen when life happens to us and we're struggling and we're going through tough times as many people are now we can default back to old habits so you you always have to be vigilant you can't be complacent so I, I, and I wonder, I wonder, I know that my parents, they clearly did teach me some positive money habits, habits intentionally in terms of saving to buy, have the money first before you buy something. Unintentionally or unconsciously, just because of their own relationship with money, I learnt that there's not enough money and money's scarce. I was also taught that I had to work hard for my money and that as a black person, I had to work twice, if not three times as hard. And that's definitely something I've fulfilled in my life. I felt that I have had to work really hard for money. And, uh, this friend I was talking to reminded me of a book that I read that changed everything for me and about how I thought about money. And it makes me feel, I'd like to listen. I, I did listen to it. I listened to it on a cassette. My good friend, Natahu, and I'll mention her, na- her name here. She's a, she's a yoga teacher, meditation coach. She has several books. Uh, out on Amazon it's like I'm advertising her again uh, she introduced me to this book um, which dad poor dad (laughs) Um, Kiyosaki which dad poor dad if you haven't read that book I definitely recommend it to everyone because it was the first time I understood really understood what the meaning of money and and really how we should how we should view money how we should use money and uh, <coughs> he talks about <coughs> there's a quadrant now I'm not going to go into trying to teach you or explain it to you Uh, We have so many resources online now with YouTube, podcasts. There's enough people out there telling you. But the thing that I learned was, this is, I suppose it's fourth, yeah, being an employee, being self-employed, being a business owner, and being an investor. Wow! Given that I haven't read that book for such a long time, I remember that because it's engraved in my head, my brain. And understanding 
that it's a mindset, all these, these are mindsets as well. And one's goal, one's goal is to move from being an employee, you know, and as an employee, you're, you're trading time for money. And the problem with trading time for money is that there's only so much time that you have. Okay, there's only so much hours you can work in the day and get paid for that. So you're always going to be restricted in how much you can um, earn. Earning capacity is always going to be capped. As a self-employed person, <laughs> and this is the thing, so a lot of people strive, and I have done, to become self-employed, thinking, thinking that being self-employed, yay, you know, be my own boss <laughs> and then I can earn much more but the thing is all you've done is you've traded having somebody else as a boss to having yourself as a boss and if you if you can't work because you're ill and if you think about this current pandemic oh my gosh the impact on self-employed has been immense because if you can't work if you can't open your store your little business there's no money coming in and if you're self-employed especially if you're you know you 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 sell your skills if you're not doing the work because you are the boss and you are the employee <laughs> okay uh there's nobody to pay you oh gosh and then a business owner yes now business owner of course is that you're using other people's time yeah so using other people's time and and you're taking the you know you're paying them but you're keeping the percentage for yourself aren't you okay and you're still you're still you're still in the game aren't you still in there because uh, as a business owner, there's still things that you, you need to do in order to keep the business going. Although you can have 10 people working for you, you can have 100 people working for you, okay? And you don't have to do the work, they're doing the work and you're still getting paid. Okay, so you know, I kind of like that concept, isn't it? So, and you're giving people work as well, you're giving people jobs. But where you want to be, uh, this is going to be a longer, longer episode, <laughs> Where you want to be is an investor, because what you want is your money working for you. Yay! And so, for me, the key thing for me more recently is, yes, save, saving is good. Saving is good, yes, yeah, save. However, saving is not going to make you rich. Saving is not going to give you that wealth that you need that you want so that you can live the life that you want without worrying about money because money's just coming in so passively and and so what I've learned is I've got to that point where I understand yes I need to save money I need to have an emergency fund I need to have savings I need to make sure I can cover everything but ultimately I need to be in that space where my money is making money for me because savings in a bank at 0.5% interest 
not going anywhere, not building anything, okay? And the stock markets, whatever's happening, happening in the world, even if there's a downturn, which we have at the moment, is that at some point the economy is going to grow and it's going to surpass where it was before. And again, it's about the long game and not the short game. So there's my little lesson there. Wow. <laughs> so a reminder for myself, I guess, really. So I go back to children. What should we be doing with our children? If I had my time over again with my children, and knowing that by the age of seven, money habits are set, okay, created, I would approach things very differently. My children, before the age of seven, would have got from me that money is scarce, okay? That's what I learnt, and they would have got from me that money is scarce. Although, by the time my son was born, or within the first few years, I'd started to learn about money, and I'd, I had actually read, I believe I'd read Rich Dad, Poor Dad before he reached seven. So that's an interesting thing, isn't it? And I'd read Rich Dad, Poor Dad um, probably before my daughter hit 20. And stuff that I was learning, I was sharing with her. And I wonder whether my son has picked up, because he doesn't, he, it's not that he doesn't spend money at all. Books, he would spend hundreds of books. But he is able to hold back. And I see him each week when he's doing his grocery shopping and how he chooses things so that it will last him a certain amount of time, portions, etc. Yes, I know. Oh, he lives on pizza and pasta, <laughs> like any other student. No different there, and his little curries. But he buys the same thing each week, and he knows, he knows how much he's going to be spending, and he doesn't go over his budget much, I don't think. So, however, I think going back, I would have been more, more intentional, really, I don't know, it's very difficult, isn't it? Very difficult, because clearly I've conveyed some stuff without... And maybe, maybe it is a... <sighs> so what you'll know, if you're listening to these podcasts, is that I'm processing this stuff as I'm going along <laughs> with you. And little things are firing off in my head, and I'm, I'm reflecting at the same time, and I'm talking to you, and I'm working out things for myself. You know, what would I do differently? And maybe that's something I will sit down. Maybe that's an exercise for me to do, to sit down and look at what I will do. Maybe listen back to this podcast myself. And, and maybe to actually... Now, here's a better thing. I need to talk to my children. <laughs> I need to talk to my 38-year-old and my 21-year-old sort of two generations apart, aren't they? And find out from them what they think about money, their attitude to money, and what they feel that they learnt from me about money. So before I start <laughs> berating myself and think, oh, I'll do this, I need to 
they're here. They're, they're real people. I can speak to them. So I'll do that. I'll do that. And maybe that's something, maybe that's what I want to convey to you. Wherever you are in, in your life cycle, it's never too late to review what we've done and look at where we are at now and make a decision as to whether or not we want to change things. You may not need to change things because you may have got it right, you know, got your emergency fund, have your sinking funds, you've got savings, you're actually investing, etc. Although there's always something, isn't there? There's always something additional we can do. And you might have children at varying ages. And if they're under seven, it's like, yay, I can do something. And what's out there? So... Well, so we're not necessarily going to have the tools and resources ourselves, but there's so much out there. There's, there's a website, there's stuff, there's loads of stuff out there that will give us the tools, uh, resources we need to help our children. And I have a particular interest in black children. I have to say that I have a particular interest in black children learning some of this stuff that's been out of our reach but no longer out, out of our reach it's so in our reach with the internet social media etc that we can be sharing this stuff and making sure that our children as they're growing up they're not wanting to to you know have the, the thing now they're not thinking that they have to be wearing designer stuff you know jewelry to look like they're rich to feel like they're rich, when the people who are rich and wealthy don't feel that they have to do that, don't feel that they have to uh, drive around in a fancy car, don't feel that they have to be eating in the best restaurants so that people see that somehow that gives them respect and and people value them. Whilst, if you see me, I'm walking around the woods, I'm wearing... My, my, my jacket is a second-hand jacket, but it's a, it is a designer jacket, but it's, I bought it from a second-hand store. Very cheap. Good morning. Very cheap. I've got my walking trousers. My walking boots, my walking boots are not, I bought from uh, Aldi. <laughs> I mean, 19.99 in Aldi. And I did buy a pair that was double the price and I can't wear them. Okay. And do you think anybody cares whether these are fancy designer boots? No, as long as they're keeping my feet warm and uh, I can walk over uh, this rough terrain through the woods. It doesn't matter. What matters to me is my financial stability. And that if things, if I'm, you know, if times get tough, I have something to fall back on. I, I want our children not to feel that they have to go and do something they wouldn't want to do. Whether that's get into debt, whether that's take from somebody else, that's what I want. And it starts, isn't it? It starts with our own relationship with money. And I think there is more than enough money in the world for us all. And that's, that's, that's what I learned <laughs> when I was going to wealth seminars, and I've been to a few of them, and mixing with people 
who were wealthy and listening to people and their relationship and their attitude to money. And I'm going to... And this is... So I'm going to go back to something that I spoke about yesterday in my podcast when I was sharing about not wanting... I've saved this money for my laptop and I'm not wanting to release it <laughs> to pay for a laptop that I need because the current laptop I have is just so slow and is is actually make, creating more work for me. And listening to my coach who has made thousands and thousands, millions with his own business, conveying to me, giving me his time, which I'm very grateful for. And I will mention his name, actually, Chinmai Swami. I'm going to mention your name because you've done so much in just sharing concepts with me. And I'm going to repeat it today because when I had the conversation with you and shared my struggle with... You know, I've saved this money, I've saved this £500 and I want to buy this laptop and I can't bring myself to hit the buy button. And you asked me some questions and one of them being, he recognised that I was scared of making a mistake and I think because I see £500 as a significant amount, and blood, sweat and tears to save it. I don't want to make a mistake with my purchase. And that is understandable, I believe. But that. And he said, <laughs> he said, and only somebody in his position, I guess, or maybe others, would say, well, if it's the wrong, wrong one, just sell it second hand. And, uh, and you can, you think you can't, you can make the £500 up again, can't you? I mean, you can make that money again. And it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, okay. You know, I, ha- I still have earning power. I can. And, <laughs> you know, and I won't have lost everything. You know, oh. I've been whatevered by dogs. <laughs> Good morning. I used to be very scared of dogs, actually. So, yeah, so that mindset I have, and I still have, so I still have that fear. I still, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) I still, there's that part of me where money's scarce. But I do have to kind of pull myself up and remind myself that I have the capacity to earn and as somebody with a chronic illness and I suppose here's the thing (laughs) so I'm going to throw spanner in the works now that's what you do Sonia, throw in a spanner there is an element of course for me whereby there is a fear that my illness may bring my working career to an end more quickly however I do have a pension 
um, this is a project that I'm doing on the side that I hope at one point, no, that will, not going to hope, that will at some point um, allow me to create an additional income that I could, if I needed to, rely on. So I, I have so many resources, so many things that I can do, and I suppose it's just trusting that, trusting that I have everything I need, trusting that I have the resources out there, resources from within myself, and also resources outside of myself as well, and to trust that. And maybe that's a good place to stop, because I think a lot... A lot is about how much we trust ourselves, and that trust has to, that, that has to start, we have to start with ourselves and trusting that we can trusting that we can move forward, trusting that we can make the changes that we need to make in our lives, trusting that we are creating. We are providing, we are giving value, we are, we are doing something. I, I want to know that I am doing something positive, that I'm helping people, and that I'm helping people in the right way. And I need to trust that I am able to do that, and that I am doing that. <laughs> so I think that's a good place to stop. I'm actually back at the top of this hill and what a beautiful view I have here so so it's good to stop at the top yeah okay you take care and um, look after yourself bye for now hey smiling Sonia here your host at thriving with a chronic illness now be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on the next episode now if you liked what you heard today be sure to visit my website, smilingsonia.com, to learn more about how I can help you build an emergency fund.